American dream. You run your own business. But running a business turns out to be more than you thought. It's a pain in the neck. You're not getting where you want to go. You're not getting what you want to get. And you're working 97 hours a week. We're here to help you fix that. This is the Small Business Celebration Podcast. I am your host, Michael Roberts, and on this podcast, you can learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. Most of our long-term listeners know I normally begin this podcast with a brief statement where I thank our content guests, our sponsors, and most importantly, you, our listener, Visionary Nation. This week is a special week. This week marks our 52nd episode. For a weekly podcast, that means Small Business Celebration has been bringing quality information and content to you, Visionary Nation, every week for the past year. When you consider, according to the website Medium, that half of all podcasts worldwide only last 14 episodes, this makes 52 episodes a big deal. We want to thank the tremendous content that our Visioner guests continue to provide this podcast, our sponsors, and you, Visioner Nation, who have subscribed to this podcast, internalized our guests' valuable insight, and because of it, are growing a strong and profitable business. And we thank you. For those listeners who are noticing a similar or a, a recognizable background, yes, we are back here at Dagny's Cafe here in Bakersfield at the corner of 20th and I Street. And our guest today is Bob Meadows, who's the Business Development Director for the City of Shafter. Welcome to the podcast, Bob. Thank you, Michael. It's fun to be here. Tell us a little bit about what it is that you do for the City of Shafter. Business development sometimes seems rather vague, but really, the, I, basically, I, my job is to bring business to the City of Shafter. Uh, bring large business, small business, bring business there of different types. Also, uh, secondly to help the businesses that are already there become more successful. Hmm. I guess thirdly, it would be just to create, continue to create a positive presence in the business community for Shafter. That's really oversimplified, but that's pretty much the three-prong approach. And that is one of the reasons, one of three principal reasons I asked you to be on the podcast today is because the first one is businesses bringing businesses to Shafter. To, to quote an often used phrase, location, 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 location. And what are some of the reasons why a business owner who may have an b- existing business or thinking about moving their business should move to Shafter? There's some demographics I think that work well. It's, um, first off, it's the fastest growing city by percentage mm-hmm. in Kern County. I think we're fourth fastest growing in the state. Mm. Our demographic being largely Hispanic, 85 to 90 percent. So that's a market that certainly is consistent with with California. And I think we're we're known as business friendly. And we've got 30 years of uh, what the people that really founded this thought pattern Mm -hmm. that way back, running it like a business versus running it like a government. I think the, the phrase has always been what I quote is by capitalism, not by the capital. Wow. So it, we're very stable and, and very friendly to talk to, to businesses. So we have a, a process where if you're interested in, in coming out and talking to us about real relocating or bringing a second location or just starting a new business, we can have a really amounts to an hour consultation hmm. and typically involves me, the city planner, 
And then we've got other people, public works director, building director, IT director, if we need him, chief engineer. Mm. What you get is a, like an hour, typically it's an hour consultation. We bring down the GIS map. We look at places where you might put your business and have that kind of conversation. Take it so that when you leave, you have a greater idea of what it would be like to do business with us. We don't cut fees. We don't do that. It's not an economic thing in that way, but we can get you doing business faster. Mm. And consequently, you're going to make money faster. So those were things all I knew about kind of on a superficial level before Mm -hmm. I went to work there last October. But I see it regularly now and i also get to be a part of it so if you're a business owner and 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 you're thinking about it we it doesn't need to be a grand plan if you just have an idea and you want to sit and talk about it we're there mm-hmm. and we have that conversation and nothing happens fast anywhere right certainly yeah. not in government i've learned <laughs> so so it's like uh, it's even slower than banking so i just figure that we can have that first conversation and get people going i think many people appreciate that i know the cpas that i know do because they know their clients are going to get a a fair shake and a good conversation to start with. And, and also if we don't think it's going to work, we're going to tell them that as well. So I think that's our, our main thing, just to get the conversation started with somebody out to Shafter. And having that personal in-phase conversation with the people that you, as a business owner, are going to be working with directly and talking to is extremely helpful. You're not talking to a press nine for this department and, and hopefully you'll get somebody that knows what's going on. You're actually getting real people and you're actually going to get their their direct line so you can ask them questions and help move things forward. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm the professional baby out there, even though I'm probably <laughs> oldest in that room, because those guys have been there. I'm just, I'm just, I was just so impressed by the, the depth and breadth of, of knowledge and information that these folks have. Mm-hmm. When you go around the room in a department head meeting, I look around, and there's people that have been there 20, some almost 30 years. They know stuff. They know how it works. They know the industries. You're, you're going to get not only institutional knowledge, but practical business knowledge and experience. So if someone wants to do something and will say, eh, you know, that's been tried and this is why it doesn't, this is why it wouldn't work or this is why it will work. And mm-hmm. I, I think people appreciate that clarity and, and frankness. But I, I think I, there's a lot of smart people in City Hall and now elsewhere because we've had to expand our facilities. But I've, I've really been impressed by that. I, I'm often the quietest person in the room, and that doesn't happen very often So when we have those. And if you're a business owner who wants to learn more about what the city of Shafter has to offer for businesses, is there a website that they can go to to learn more? You know, I think my people in the city hall wouldn't mind me saying that our website really isn't too strong. Mm-hmm. It's got some basics on it, so sure, shafter.com. If someone were interested in, I'd much rather them give me a call. And what number would they reach you at? 746-5007. Area <laughs> um, code 6614. That's my direct direct line. And let's just, if they are interested, and I, and I get those calls. Mm-hmm. Happy to talk to people just with the idea of it. It doesn't need to be so far advanced that they're ready to set up shop. It's just like, hey, I got an idea and... And I hear you're a good place to to do business with. I mean, I think Kern County in general is the most business-friendly county in California. Certainly, I think that's, I'll just say that's without question. Mm -hmm. And we'd like to to be the most business-friendly city in Kern County. So I think we're going to listen to that. A lot of people call with ideas. You know, even if it's a pie in the sky, we'll try not to slice it up too bad. But (laughs) I'd much rather hear from someone and then maybe we take that to another level. I think that's where my banking and business experience helps me to sort through that because certainly I would get those calls as a banker. Mm -hmm. And now they're not a lot different. It's just that we're putting it in the city and then I've got to 
involve the other folks because they'll know what ordinances or other things that are involved. So just getting the idea in, I'm, I just always appreciate that and may not go anywhere, but it just might. So always willing to hear from them. You've just given an insight or an inkling to our audience as to the other reason why I've invited you to be on our podcast, because I'm sure we have listeners out there that are wondering, Michael, this is your 52nd episode, and it's a big deal, and what are you doing talking about having somebody from, a, from City Hall talking on the podcast? And the reason is, is before you went to work for the city of Shafter, you were in the banking industry for a very, very long time. And... <laughs> You're, you're grinning about that. And it's because of your experience and your contacts and the way you developed your career in the banking industry is why when the opportunity arose, the city of Shafter reached out to you, invited you to come aboard and work with them. But for our listeners who don't know you as well, tell us a little bit briefly about your banking background and, and why it's so significant in the world of business. I was, uh, yeah, I, I I was a journalism major at Bakersfield College and editor of the paper and, and enjoyed that. And I got into banking because I got married and we're still married. Good. Um, and I needed to make more money. Uh-huh. And a friend of ours was in banking. I go, well, that doesn't sound so bad. But I had to cut my hair, shave my beard. <gasps> no. I know. 1979. <laughs> you can imagine. And I had to um, borrow a suit and go through that process. And Bank of America was hiring a, a trainees. And I had to call bankers to even find out what credit and operations was. <laughs> and so I got in. And quite frankly, I told this, I wasn't very good. My first year, I nearly got fired because I was really skating on personality. I've told that story before. And I grew up and learned. And so I wound up learning about loans and credit in my lifetime. All kinds of loans. Consum- start with consumer, then commercial. Eventually, I was in banking almost about nine years when I wound up uh, being offered a chance to be a manager. Mm. And that was with, uh, for those that are from Bakersfield, California Republic Bank. It was probably the, some of our best times. Uh-huh. The best of times, actually. <laughs> um, and so uh, we were an independent bank that was eventually purchased. But that was some of the best times I spent there. And then I wound up working for actually eight banks total. I went through three mergers. Actually was severed once, but didn't miss a day of work. I had a job waiting for me, and that was from many of the contacts that I had. In the course of, it would have been 40 years in February that I was in banking. And it was uh, all that time period, and it was such an education and so much about business. As a manager, I learned how to run business. I had multiple offices, develop people. Learned so much about credit. I think one of the biggest things is I learned because I wasn't a banker, I wasn't a business person starting in. I didn't take my first finance or financial analysis class until I was a rookie loan officer. And so I was learning on the fly, and that's probably was I wasn't very good. But I had great mentors. I had people that somehow believed in me and got me through. So that basis of, of all those things that you learn in, in banking, I've certainly found are applicable in other industries and have been a big help to me out in Shafter. Uh, Ron, why are you clinking glasses? I'm practicing my toast for our Geronco customers for this business this holiday season. Holiday party toasts? You betcha. This is a time of year when business owners and leaders that listen to this podcast call our shop or go to our website at joroncorentals.com and reserve all their tables, linens, plates, flatware, and glasses for their holiday parties. But aren't all of your holiday party rentals almost reserved already? Not if any member of Visioneer Nation that listens to this podcast come down to our shop at 7501 Brundage Lane here in Bakersfield or gives us a call at 
888-5555 or checks us out on our website at Jaronco Rentals. That's J-O-R-O-N-C-O Rentals with an S dot com right now. Wait, let me get a piece of paper and a pen. That was 7501 East Brundage Lane here in Bakersfield or giving you a call at 661-325-0855 or on your website at Jaronco Rentals. That's J-O-R-O-N-C-O Rentals.com. We're here talking with Bob Meadows, who's the business development director for the city of Shafter. And a couple episodes ago, we had Mike DeShutter on the podcast. And one of the challenges he had when starting his business is that he didn't speak banker. And that one of his regrets was that he didn't learn how to have a relationship with his banker. One of the things that you, Bob, have been very good at is developing that relationship with the business owner. And tell us a little bit about how that relationship works, how it initially begins, how does a business owner reach out to a banker, and how does that whole relationship manifest itself? Well, Michael, typically uh, uh, someone's interested in a loan or, or some kind of business relationship, but most business banking relationships start with a loan request or mm-hmm. the idea of one. It's a business owner trying to solve a problem. Yes, and they've got, I need cash, or, I, or maybe they, they'll ask for something and they don't ask for what it is they really need, but they don't know. But they know they need something. I'm short on cash, or I'm growing, or I, or I have a great idea and I need to finance it, and I don't know, I don't have that much money, and you do, and they come to you with that. And mm-hmm. as, a, as, a, as a banker, you've got to learn to ask the right questions. And you've got to be interested enough. You also kind of have to have your antenna up, whether uh, there's, there's dreamers. And, and those folks, they're okay. But the people that absolutely have no grasp of reality that mm-hmm. this is, could be hard, uh, that's, that, that was difficult over the years. But I think my journalism training to ask questions and get you to tell me stuff, that was really key when I was in, in banking because I, uh, when I was at the radio station when I worked at KUZZ, you better come back with a story. Well, in banking, I better get some answers. And so I needed to ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. So to size up the business, I think the banker has to... And it takes some experience to do that, to not take an hour to find this out. But in a very few minutes, you can start to get a feel for somebody. But you've got to ask, ask the, the this, isn't, this isn't genius. What, <laughs> what business are you in? What are you doing? What do you want to do? What are you right. trying to do? What have you been doing? The, the basic principles of a business plan. Yes, yeah. And ask often and say, do, what, what are you, do you have a business plan? And often they say, well, no. That aspect people make really hard. I used the basics from journalism was who, what, when, where, why, and how. If you answered all of those in your mind, you wrote them down, and you had that, you could tell me that, and if I was your banker, then we would have something to talk about. We could then decide whether that was a path that was one that seemed paid for success or if, in fact, you know, you, you had some erroneous thoughts there. But I think we have to ask, we as bankers had to ask the right questions. Today's bankers, and some of the young ones, I, I mean, I see some really good ones. Uh, I hate to sound like father time. You ask those questions and be truly interested. Mm. Like this, Mm -hmm. this person before you is entrepreneurs are laying it all on the line, right? Like this guy may only have a thousand bucks, but that's that he wants to put it into this. He has this idea. So it's difficult not to dash his dreams. But on the other hand, if he's going down a road and he's just too naive Perhaps you can save him from yourself. Now, nobody likes that. Right. I didn't ask you to save me from myself. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm going to do it as a professional <laughs> responsibility because we had a few of those conversations. I, the banker has to control that, at least ask the right questions and understand that. The business owner mm-hmm. needs to be open to that. 
like walking in, you walk into a bank, you need to understand that you may not hear what you wanted to hear. Like, that's great. Let's throw <laughs> thousands of dollars at you. Sometimes we're like, oh, that is. But if it's a startup or if the person is new at it, we're not necessarily going to be that excited. You have to be willing to defend your idea. Yes. Yeah. And, and define your idea. Mm. Sometimes that will change over time. But I think the banker's responsibility and where I, I wanted to know. I mean, I was interested in that. I wanted to help you if I could. Mm-hmm. There was that old banker joke that, you know, how does a banker test a microphone? Like, no, no. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. Uh-huh. But then I heard one of my famous colleagues, and I got it, Greg Gill, one of the best guys I ever worked with. We worked uh, together many years ago, and a guy would say, I need an answer on my loan request. He'd go, yeah, well, the answer is no. He was, and he'd say, well, you haven't given me enough to say yes. And, and so, he'd, so he'd say, I, we want to say yes. That's how we make money. That's how we help businesses grow. Help me say yes. Right. It's a two-way street. But I think... Um, the relationship, it takes time. It's, you have to have a commitment. As the financial professional, you have to size up whether this person is worth your time. And that's not cutthroat. I mean, banks are not nonprofits. Right. Duh. Um, <laughs> but they're, they're, the, the social responsibility of investing in the community while also having a return for the stockholders and building the company and thereby helping more people. Right. It takes responsibility of sizing up a business. And sometimes that's, that's a no today. There were people I turned down and later made a loan to. Mm. It's like, no, Michael, but here's some suggestions. Right. If you do this, this, and this, this could help you. Can't promise you that. And so those kind of conversations, I think it's a willingness by the banker and of course, it's been a year that I've been away from those conversations. I don't think that changes. I think you need to be willing. The problem with big banks, mm-hmm. and you guys, I worked for a couple of them, is that there often isn't that banker or the guy before you. I mean, you have T-shirts older than him. Right, and right. he doesn't know how to look at those financial statements. And that is a dearth that I have seen in talent is that the financial, not, not necessarily, it doesn't need to be the analyst, but you need to understand the numbers that you're looking at. And I wasn't raised with numbers. I was raised in journalism and the story. So I love the stories behind the numbers. As I got to understand financial analysis, what those numbers said, I wanted to know, okay, your sales went up 10%. How'd that happen? You should be able to tell me. Your profits went up 10%. Are they dropped? Where, where did that go? You need to be able to understand that. And so I, one thing I see today when people complain about not having a banker that understands them is that they don't understand that. Uh, I used to say it was the bundle and dump. Like, you have a request, so give me your three years financial statements, and I bundle it up and I send it off to somebody who's going to analyze it, who's never going to look you in the face. Right. That's where the community banks do a good job. And I, you know, my last bank was Mission, and we did a good job of that. I know they still do a good job of that. I think using them as an example is that people sit down and look eye to eye, look at your numbers, talk about them. They're, they're analyzed, but then we talk about the stories. And so I always appreciated that. I think there's a lot of bankers like that individually. I don't know of, uh, of how other banks do it, but often I would hear the story like nobody understands what I'm doing or they're not really asking. Right. Explain to our listeners how that relationship with your banker is so important for the dynamics of your business. You need to know your business. Mm. If those numbers are up, down, sideways, you need to tell me about that. I shouldn't be guessing. Say, why did we have this spike in March, Michael? Mm -hmm. What was going on there? 
Why, why was last year a big year and this year's not? You need to understand your business before the banker does. You need to be able to explain the stories behind those numbers. Sadly, sometimes I would get, well, I got to ask my accountant. Well, he, it's not his business. Right. It's yours. Right. So I think the business owner's responsibility is to, and you'll hear them be told this, work on your business, not just in your business. Right. You get so wrapped up in trying to grow it, and I, I respect that, but growing the top line doesn't mean the bottom line grows. And I think forgetting about that sometime, being so concerned about generating revenue without profits. Profits is what you live on. I used to do high school classes at, through Junior Achievement at Bakersfield High School, and it was very easy. We'd ask the kids, right, who gets a paycheck? Taco Bell, right? And they go, yeah, they take it all. Oh, well, welcome to the world. <laughs> so it's not the top line, kids. It's the bottom line. It's the same with the business. You need, you as a business owner need to understand that. Where is it going? And if you're coming to ask for a loan or an investment for the future, you need to be able to explain what that's going to do. It should, it should be expanding your business and increasing your profits. If not initially, then over time. And you've got to be able to at least explain how you think that's going to happen and how that projection is based on fact, not on, well, I'm just, I'm just sure. No, no, or I hope <laughs> another bad strategy based on the trend of my sales and based on whatever other facts or research that you've done, which today could be endless that right. you could find and say, I think in this, this I'm, I'm touching a niche that no one else is in and I can be successful in that. I think that the business owner's responsibility is not just to expect the banker to, uh, you know, fulfill his dreams. I didn't mind telling somebody, no, that it was going to be like that. Like nobody owes you anything. The bank needs to make money. You need to make money. So it's got to be mutually beneficial. So the business owner has a responsibility, understand the numbers. If you tell me they're going to grow, tell me why you think they're going to grow. And then we can discuss whether I believe that. I think if you want that kind of expansion, if you want to do anything, if you want to borrow for a good reason, you need to be able to help the banker understand why that's going to be successful because that's how it gets paid back. Right. You know, and that's, that's how loans are they're repaid so others can get that and how your business becomes successful. And then the bank plays a part in it. As a small business owner, you are a visioneer, a pioneer with vision, but sometimes it's hard to see the forest through the trees. You know where you want to go. You know what you want to do and have, but you need a confidential second set of eyes to help you get there. Small Business Celebration can be those eyes. Go to smallbusinesscelebration.com and schedule a listening session. See the forest through the trees. Realize your vision. Go to smallbusinesscelebration.com and schedule a listening session today. We're here with Bob Meadows, who's the business development director of the city of Shafter, and we're talking about business, we're talking about banking, and now we get to talk about something that has been asked about a lot. That is personality. What are the core values of the core thoughts or the core philosophies that help in that area? When they say, you know, you're, you're a nice guy or something, I go, well, you know, I can be. <laughs> you know, were you to follow me 24-7, I'm sure I would disappoint you. And, of course, my wife might well say, well, yeah, he's not always. But I think that that's true of all of us. So I... I like people. I want to help people. Um, I've been helped. I've been very blessed in my life. Uh, my wife and I have gone through adversity like anyone, and I, I have the opportunity to help people. I think that's how what ultimately what banking 
showed me I could do something for somebody that I never expected to be in that profession. So my wife always says, God knows what he's doing. So I wind up sitting in a banker's chair. And what I began to learn was that I can, by helping someone in their business, I can help their life improve and the lives of the people that work for them and their families. I began because I can do something for somebody. I mean, people like that. Right. But I like doing it. Mm. And I, what I also like, I, and like in high school, I wasn't real confident for various just different reasons and decent in sports. But I think over time, I enjoyed and appreciated when someone was encouraging mm. and found something positive. And okay. I think we all need to be told what we're good at and be reminded sometimes that, you know, you're good, you're, you're this, you're that. So I think people that were encouraging to me in those rough times when I was in my banking career, when I wasn't that good a banker, I appreciated that and they made me feel positive about myself. And so I said, as I get the chance to do that, I want to do that. And so I was made a trainer think because I was such a bad trainee <laughs> over time, I learned what not to do. And I found that I enjoyed encouraging, sometimes constructively, mm -hmm. holding people accountable, like right. I'm going to let you flounder but not drown, as my buddy Janet Hepp at Valley Republic Bank, remember, this is going to further your development, was <laughs> one of my phrases. I enjoyed encouraging people. And I think sometimes what you didn't get, you give. Mm. And so I enjoyed doing that. People like that. And I think I, I think by and large, if when I connect with people, mm -hmm. and I think we all need to connect they find me encouraging and I, and I am sincere about that. Mm -hmm. I want you to do better. I look for things, not so that I can suck up or you can be my buddy or you'll like me because I don't know that on the superficial level that I don't, I don't even think like that. And I don't mean to sign either naive or, or in any way manipulative. I just, if I can encourage you, then I want to do that. People like that. And so then I like doing that. So can I help you? Can I give you some advice? Are you willing to take it? Do you, do you sense that I'm sincere about, hey, especially now, especially these last few years, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I'm going to be 64 here in a short while, and I'd have to hear that Beatles song sung by people <laughs> who are off key. But I, I, I lived a lot of life, and I obviously have a lot of energy, I hope, for a lot more, and learned a lot of things. And so I like to share that. I like to be able to do that and help you. So I notice that. I try not to overstep and be intrusive with advice or are too encouraging, but I think people need encouragement. I'm drawn to people that are quieter, that are not showing confidence. I think you, you need a boost. And I have, it has proven out quite a few times where I, if someone like that, I can encourage and I can point out something good to, mm -hmm. it gives them a lift. And I have been told that that has been instrumental for some people like getting them going or something. So I'm, that's a, um, that's humbling to be able to do that. So, uh, so I, why am I considered like, I'm, I like people. I, I feel very blessed in my life. If I can do something good, I'd like to do that. If we can encourage people, I like to do that. My wife inspires me that way. She's been through so much, so many medical hardships and yet she, re, she remains positive and looks to help people. And she never says, why me? She says, why not me? I can do this. And so I'm thinking, if things are tough at work, what am I griping about exactly, right? And right. it's just, she, get to work, buddy, or, or do this, or if it's, you can make it happen, make it happen. So I think people need encouragement. I think more people would be considered likable if they weren't so critical. 
Mm. Even when they feel like they're being constructive, we don't always like to be told that. You have to be almost get someone's permission. Right. May I give you some advice? I'm not sure you're going to like to hear this. <laughs> my best boss ever, Mike Blake, was the one who said that to me one time. He goes, you're like my best manager. I go, well, thanks. He goes, <laughs> you could be better. <laughs> and he said, do you want to hear it? And I said, I think so. <laughs> and then 20 minutes later, I go, I'm your best. Right. But he was constructive and he helped me. And so I, but I gave him permission. So I don't want to overstep with something like that. But I think when I've been able to help people and encourage people, they like that. So in turn, they find me likable. But I, I truly am sincere about wanting that, especially now as I get older. I want to, I'm, I'm in a spot where maybe because. I have that experience in that age and hopefully wisdom to share that you're open to hearing it because, and I'm only going to offer it because I think maybe it would help. Mm-hmm. I find if people like me to be around, I think that's it. So I, I think for, for people that maybe struggle with that, just stop for a minute and think, do you make yourself unlikable? I mean, are you, you maybe have good intentions, but you're kind of stepping in it a little bit, right? Think it through. And would you like to hear that? Don't get me wrong. I, there's sometimes I'll say something and go, man, that wasn't, that wasn't good. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't mean that, but I didn't come off nice or I wasn't, or maybe it was in a weak moment or maybe I was trying to be too funny and it didn't come across that way. Like my rapier wit was not appreciated or something. I didn't mean to be caustic. I try to be sarcastic in a funny way with people because you know, overstating and you know, that can be fun. But I think of people sometimes like, why, why don't more people like you or like you around? Maybe you're, too critical maybe you're not supportive enough maybe you're you're too judgmental about things yes maybe a guy has a dream and it's like well you know that's never going to happen well the, who wants that person around right right right, right. well um, i wish you the best would be maybe something to say in that in that regard just because it's not up to you so i think people that aren't they bring us down right i remember someone said does the light come on in a room when you walk in or when you walk out and the other thing i heard from someone was um are you a fountain or a drain? Ooh, that's a good one. I'd rather the light come on when I walk in a room and then I, that people like me being there and I'm going to add to something that if I can help that situation or someone, then I feel like it's a life worth living for me. And then as that's a positive thing. So You talked about how you've had some challenges and especially the things that your wife has gone through. Is that also one of the reasons why you're heavily involved with Links for Life? Yes. She is a six-year breast cancer survivor. And who is Link for Life and what is it? Links for Life. I've been around, what, uh, 25, 26 years now Mm -hmm. for breast cancer survivors. Mm. It's an incredible organization. And those ladies, they're all part of a sisterhood that they never wanted to join. Right. She had the double mastectomy, as have several friends of ours, and three reconstruction surgeries. And and I, I, I pray that we're done, but you, cancer doesn't play fair. And those girls have lost one of their sisters this year, and there's others that are struggling, and it comes back, and it's very sad. It's huge. It, it's why pink is very important in my life. <laughs> I have these two little bracelets on, and I'll typically have that, and pink uh, infiltrates my wardrobe. I was thinking of getting a pink cross for an earring, but I think that that's just too old guy. I've got my own involvement with that. In 2018, I was so honored to be this keynote speaker at the gala. Mm -hmm. They asked me to speak as a survivor's husband. 
that was a speech, a seven minute speech that I worked seven weeks on mm. to be able to talk about faith and my wife and links and how I'm not always a role model as a caregiver. It was received very well. And shortly after we started, Jennifer Henry that runs it was talking about having a men's group. And so now we do have that, and it's kind of the loose leader, I guess, of it, <laughs> called Strong Links Hangout mm. that we meet at Imbibe. We don't call it a support group because we men don't need support <laughs> because we're manly and full of manfulness. But there's a small group of guys, and we're trying to get more to come. And sadly, there's some young guys whose wives are in their 30s that have had to deal with breast cancer. So um, my personal involvement is on the second Tuesday night of each month we have that. It's been really great because most of we wind up saying how our wives are admirable and our respect, and you got to love people that can deal with that. I think we will always be involved in that. My wife's very active in supporting the girls, and they support each other, so it's huge. And, and we wish it wasn't necessary, but it certainly is. So I think we'll probably always stick with that. Before we started recording, we had uh, talked about a very influential book or series of books that you wanted to recommend to Visioneer Nation by Lencioni. And go ahead and, and talk a little bit about what the books are and the connection the author has with Bakersfield. Without a doubt, Patrick Lencioni is my favorite business author. And, um, and how do you spell Lencioni? L-E-N-C-I-O-N-I. Okay. By the way, the books he recommends, you can go ahead and get at Russo's Books. And, and, and Indeed, Michael have them, <laughs> for sure, or get them for you. Right. But I actually, Pat, he went to Garces. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew his dad, Richard. We were on some small business loan boards back in probably 80s, and, and I'm not sure. And he's passed now. He has a business called Table Group that's an advisory. But his his most famous book, I think the one that gets people's attention first, is The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Mm. And why is this an important book? Uh, boy, because when you read it, you're going to say, oh, my business has these. Or something. <laughs> It's, I, I remember saying, oh, crap, we have three of them. Um, I think uh, what I like about his books, and I think they're, they're fast reads, but he has a totally different style from other business authors. He, the first two-thirds to three-quarters is what he calls a business fable. Mm. It's essentially a case problem that you would get in a class. Mm-hmm. And then the remainder of the book is an application of his principles and his ideas of how to to how the uh, in the fable how the issues came up and then how they were solved and then he this so he has characters to allude to and and mention so um, that was the first one I read and it's such a fast read and I said that one I think is critical if you have a team mm. and and I saw him actually talk about that in Bakersfield and that just made it uh, the chamber sponsor that that just made it even more real for me so they got some other great ones death by meeting <laughs> and, and I think we've I think all experienced we've that we've a few of those yeah. ourselves haven't we? he talks about quick stand up meeting and different things like that how to fix that um, the ideal team player. Mm. Uh, uh, I like that. Hungry, one a lot. hungry, humble, and smart. Hungry, See, humble, those smart. are those yeah, are yeah, those yeah. are three principles that he talks about in there. The other one, which the the racy title, getting naked, but that really is a, uh, assisting your customer or being an advisor before they're actually your client. To not to steal his thunder, that's out there. But anyway, that's that's another good one. That is the reason that we're tying this whole episode together. Is that point right there that you just gave that comes out of that book. It's all about how you're able to give to the customer, how you're supposed to appreciate and work with the customer, and how you work with your entire team as a whole. And that's a fantastic book that talks about all those things. Absolutely. I remember the credo we used to have in in banking is, is it good for the customer? Let's make it about them. Right. Always. If you make it about them. And that 
business people, if you make it about your customer, you'll be successful. And if when we started making it about the, in banking and where we had all these rules and you had to do this, you had to do that. And I remember some different corporate changes where you assigned customer to somebody else. I go, wait a second. We're telling them who their bankers are. Right. They chose us. Now you're moving them to somebody in, a, in another city or something who doesn't know them. Yes, but that's the division. Well, that's not their banker. We will lose them. And we did. Right. So it's like, that doesn't make any sense. All business, if you make it about the customer, because if you, they don't have to buy from you. Let's face it. Nobody has to buy from anybody. We have choices today. If nothing else, and going online much, I mean, shoot, if you can order your groceries and go pick them up at Walmart or wherever, right, you really don't have to go in anywhere. So you can, the buying decisions people make, both consumer and corporate, those have to be done for a reason. There has to be, has to benefit your client. So if you're not thinking about that when you do something, then you're wrong. You're not going to make it and you're not going to be profitable and you're not going to last. And so I think when we see the businesses that have gone under, typically it's because they lost sight of that. Did you not understand your market? Did you, you weren't reaching them. You started making it about you. Right. And I think highly paid executives, people use that. And I wouldn't want to get into the discussion of that, but top executives, what they get paid, people use that against them. But I, but on a lower level, the prices are going up. Why are they? Sometimes people understand that. But I think if you don't make it about your customer, if out in the city, we're not taking care of city residents, they're my customers. How are we helping them? Right. It's always about that. Ultimately, that are you're benefiting who you're doing business with and you've got to know them and you've got to make sure you reach them and you've got to provide what they want. If you're out in the consumer world, the choices are endless today. If you don't meet their needs, then they'll find somebody who will. Bob, this has been a pleasure. You've been highly insightful, given a lot of great information, and a thrill to have you on the 52nd episode here of the Small Business Celebration Podcast. And we thank you very much for being on, and it's been a real treat. I'm honored, Michael. Thank you for the time. Uh, Ron, why are you clinking glasses? I'm practicing my toast for our Geronco customers for their business this holiday season. Holiday party toasts? You betcha. This is a time of year when business owners and leaders that listen to this podcast call our shop or go to our website at joroncorentals.com and reserve all their tables, linens, plates, flatware, and glasses for their holiday parties. But aren't all of your holiday party rentals almost reserved already? Not if any member of Visioneer Nation that listens to this podcast come down to our shop at 7501 Brundage Lane here in Bakersfield or gives us a call at 661-325-0855 or checks us out on our website at Jaronco Rentals. That's J-O-R-O-N-C-O Rentals with an S dot com right now. Wait, let me get a piece of paper and a pen. That was 7501 East Brundage Lane here in Bakersfield or giving you a call at 661-325-0855 or on your website at Jeronco Rentals. That's J-O-R-O-N-C-O rentals.com. I've been asked, who is a visioneer? A visioneer is a small business owner who's a pioneer that has vision. A visioneer is someone willing to see the world, not as it is, but as it could be, and is willing to do something about it. 
A Visioneer is ethical, smarter, faster, and leaner than the mainstream competition. A Visioneer gives value first because Visioneers are in business for the long haul. Visioneers understand the difference between saving money and earning a profit. Visioneers define their destiny. Visioneers create their own luck. Visioneers surround themselves with successful, like-minded people. Visioneers are renegades who defy the mainstream competition and are ready to change the world. Are you a visioneer? Become a visioneer by joining the Tribe on Small Business Celebrations Facebook page and on Instagram today. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you may find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. And that's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. Also, if you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. If there is a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I am your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.